is Out of Context with Caitlin Hartlin. Welcome back to Out of Context. I am indeed Caitlin Hartland, and I have something quite extraordinary happening today. My first guest that I didn't know before recording this episode. His name is Corey Hickson, and he's from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And he actually was introduced to me by a previous guest that you might recall, Darren Carr, because he watches him on Twitch. So they got to know each other online. And Darren thought it'd be a great idea for me to have Corey on to talk about what he does on Twitch, which is queer gaming. And uh, there's actually something... When I was researching Corey that I stumbled upon the Pride Collection solo RPGs. So we're going to get a little bit into that. But first, I would like to welcome Corey. Hi, Corey. How's it going? Hi, thanks for welcoming me. I am going good today. How are you? Not too shabby. It's actually a beautiful day outside. I'm planning to spend some more time in the sunshine later today because it's not god awful hot like it has been. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you're in Saskatchewan, right? And is that where you're from originally? Yeah, um, grew up in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I've been here my whole life and I work here as a software developer for my day job. And outside of that, I play a whole lot of games. Okay, so you're pretty much tied to the computer no matter what part of your day you're in then. Yes, hopefully soon I'll be able to do like in-person games more often, can do a little bit more, you know, physical rather than the Zoom calls that have been here for, for so long. All the digital that we've been exposed to during the pandemic. Yeah, it's hard to escape. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But we're starting to sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel with COVID-19. I know for me personally, I felt a lot happier the last month or so, just with the knowledge that restrictions are starting to lift and it's going to get even better in the future. More and more people are getting vaccinated. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's the first glimmer of hope I've had in a while. I got to play games in person for the first time recently. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Give me more of this. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's like an energy boost, right? Just being around people again. Even the introverts, I feel, have probably been missing it even a little bit. Because I know for many introverts, it's that sort of thing where it's like, I would at least like the option to be social Mm -hmm. if I want to. But I'm going to say no most of the time. But during the (laughs) pandemic, there was no option. You just, you had to be by yourself. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out how to like be social again. It's like, oh, I'm rusty. I need to remember how to do these things, but it's like riding a bike. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We actually went to uh, a restaurant recently and that was a big deal. Like I haven't Mm. done that in a really long time. Nice. Yeah. I did that two weeks ago. Oh, a week ago. That's exciting. A week ago. Yeah. It was a little bit overpriced, but (laughs) experience was good. Well, that's good. I feel like some places feel like they are charging you for the experience anyway, so they get away with that. Yeah. I don't mind supporting local as well during during this. So Cool. So were you born in Saskatoon or you just lived there most of your life? I was born here, went to school here, went to high school here, went to university here, got a job here. The whole thing is here. I might, I, I do like traveling. I'd like to get out and you know, see more of the world and do all that kind of stuff. But um, Saskatoon has served me well for my time here and I've enjoyed it for the most part. Certainly seems it and can't relate because I was a military brat. So I I went in a lot of places against my will. And then since that, I've become a bit of a nomad just on my own, (laughs) pursuing opportunities and and, uh, partners. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've actually been close to where you're at, but never actually to Saskatoon because I used to live in Alberta right on the border to Saskatchewan, actually, in Cold Lake. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. 
And I spent wow. about eight months in BC, so a couple provinces removed. And now I'm a couple <laughs> provinces the other way. I'm in Ontario. So yeah. Yeah. Exciting. I'd like to go and my current plans are to learn more about Canada, do more traveling within Canada, because I feel like I haven't done enough of that yet. Well, if you end up on the East Coast, hit me up because I can definitely make some recommendations because that's where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. I will do that. I know. It's always confusing when people ask me where I'm from. I'm just like, <laughs> where do I start? <laughs> yeah. well, I'm sorry. Born in Nova Scotia, but then Germany, Alberta, back to Nova Scotia, then BC and Ontario. <laughs> So, yeah, I bounced around a little bit, but I still consider myself a proud Nova Scotian because I was born there and spent the majority of my life there. So, Mm. yeah, it's in my blood. (laughs) That's like the opposite side of what I've done. (laughs) I guess, eh? Yeah. (laughs) It's always wild to me when I encounter people who have stayed in the same place their whole lives. I'm just like, (laughs) it must be a good place. Because if you've never felt the need to go further afield, that's that's a nice feeling. Whereas for me, yeah. a lot of the small towns I lived in, I couldn't wait to escape. <laughs> I would say that Saskatoon is like the queerest of all the places in Saskatchewan, which is nice. But it could be, there could be more. There could be more. That's like, true I, everywhere, I feel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. There could always be more gay. <laughs> yeah. But like, if I went to rural Saskatchewan, if I grew up there, I would be out of that as quick as possible. Yeah, because Saskatoon is uh, more of a bigger city center, right? Yeah, I, I think the phrase that we commonly say is we're the biggest small city. So like, I can drive every, anywhere in the city in like 20 minutes tops. But okay. like, we've got, you know, some of those novelty things like room escapes or board game cafes, you know, some of those things that are, you know, in bigger cities. Right. Well, that's exciting for you as a gamer then. Yes. yes, I can see why you wouldn't want to leave. (laughs) Yeah. We've got just a little bit of that stuff to, to keep it entertaining. Awesome. And I forgot to mention at the beginning of the episode, I do have my Tetley tea for the trusty listeners who are wondering about it. It's here. So if you hear sips, Tetley, just find me. (laughs) I'm ready for a sponsorship anytime. So let's get into why you're here. So you not only play games, but you design them. So can I first ask, just because this is uh, a field about which I know very little, and Mm -hmm. part of the reason I was excited to have you on, because you're the expert, um, Mm -hmm. RPGs, why RPGs? What drew you to them in the first place? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to actually explain what RPGs are for those who might not know? Sure, yeah. Yeah, I can do both. Um, So role-playing games... In my opinion, you know, everyone's got their own sort of idea and answer. But to me, it's just you're doing storytelling with your friends collaboratively. You're coming up with some kind of story that you like, you know, the most popular one, the one that, you know, if you're talking about this, you got to mention is Dungeons and Dragons. That's of course. Like, you know, Stranger Things has yep. its, it's in media. It's the one that people know about. So that's the really popular one. And, you know. I think it's portrayed in media kind of like that, you know, storytelling with your friends. And that's the sort of gist of it. You know, you're around a table. A lot of times there's dice. A lot of times there's papers, books, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but that's like the gist of what I would say a role-playing game is. So was this something that you really enjoyed playing and you thought, hey, I'm going to make my own? Or how did that sort of come about? Yeah, so... I got into it in a similar way that a lot of people in my position did. So someone who's like, you know, a younger generation, if, if done it for a few years, um, in 2015, 
there was this show that started up on Twitch and sort of had all the right pieces in place called Critical Role. Oh, and yeah. It was, yeah, it was um, a bunch of voice actors that got together and uh, did this Dungeons and Dragons show. It became really popular really quick. And I got into it when it was like starting up. Um, and I was like, oh, this is cool. I enjoy this. This is fun. And so I watched it for a while. I was like, okay, I want to do this for my birthday i want to get my friends together it's my birthday so i get to pick what we do and i put together a little game and we played through it and i was like oh yeah i like this this is fun and it sort of just like expanded from there i started doing more games i started doing more dungeons and dragons eventually i moved on to other games and they're a lot less known it's a bit more niche and that's totally fine. But that's when I started finding out that there was a lot of cool things you could do with it. Hmm. But there's also a lot of spots that are, there's like blank spots where it's like, I would like something there that gives you, you know, a certain kind of story. And the sort of typical phrase that I hear a lot in game design is, well, if it's not there, then you have to design it so that you can play it. So that's kind of how I started getting into that stuff. I was like, well, there's things out there that haven't been made yet, so I might as well make them. And that's how I got into it. So is that sort of the inspiration behind designing stuff like the Pride Collection solo RPGs? Kind of a little bit. That was that like that's definitely the impetus that pushed me where I was like, I want to start doing stuff. But the Pride Collection also had another motivator where as a part of um, this group that did online games and stuff like um, streaming the role-playing games and for Pride Month they wanted to do some stuff, some events and some fundraisers, that kind of stuff and I had been interested in participating and um, since it was you know so games focused I was like well maybe I'll put together something and this was a few years ago So I took the rainbow flag and I was like, I'll make one thing for each color on the flag. Yeah. And added it in to help fundraise for Trans Lifeline and that sort of. Oh, I didn't realize that it was a fundraiser as well. That's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. It was originally a part of that. And I think we got around like $500 or so. So I was pretty impressed. Um, Not not just my game. There's other people's things in there as well. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. And then since then, it's just sort of lived on and I've gone and started doing a bunch of other stuff since then too. That's wicked. Yeah. Yeah. I was just kind of trying to see if there was a link between, you know, you saying that if it's not there, you have to design it. So I wondered if maybe Mm -hmm. there was a bit of a lack of queer representation within Mm -hmm. RPGs in that kind of world. Mm -hmm. I would say there's a little bit, like, I don't think there's anything, it's kind of tricky. Like, <laughs> I I could find something that's similar if I tried and be like, well, these two are maybe like, they might line up. But at the same time, like, everything has its own unique spin. So I think there's also that. So I, I felt like there was something there where I could make some contributions. And it was also my first time making something that was, you know, a little bit bigger than, you know, just like a day thing. I had to, you know, put some more effort into it. I learned about like editing, proofreading, all that kind of stuff. But the community that I was participated in was also like a pretty queer community. So right. the the sort of inspiration for that and being able to create something that they might enjoy was, you know, pretty directly related to my experiences I shared with them. Cool. Have you had any 
experiences within the queer community yourself that have contributed to the way you design games or the content that you have on your Twitch stream? Mm. I would say for sure, because um, I find that one of my takeaways from when I did the Pride Collection was it's it's very queer focused. Like you look at it, it's like, okay, this is, we've got, we've got queer stuff going on. It's, it's happening. But one of the takeaways that I had was that really anything I make, because as, as a queer person myself, anything I make is inherently going to be queer. Right. And I kind of took that away. And so that was an experience that helped me just sort of learn a little bit more about what I wanted to try and do. You know, I have a day job, so this is sort of my spare time and that kind of stuff. So when when I work on it, it's just because I want to. And that helped me hone in a little bit more on what I wanted, but also helped me understand that like really anything I make is going to have those queer elements just because that's, you know, it comes from me. So yeah, parts that I add in are going to have that in it. And with you being online so much, I have to imagine that queer people can probably find you more easily than they might through any other medium. So that's really exciting. You get to make friends you might not have otherwise, like my friend Darren, for example. You guys might never have interacted at all if you didn't have your Twitch stream. So Yeah, exactly. The amount of people that I've got to find and get to know has been something I've really enjoyed, especially since like I've, I've probably been doing this for a few years, but I really enjoyed for the past, you know, year and a half since so many of these people, you know, a lot of them are in the States. I don't think I know anyone the people in Saskatoon that I do know, I'll usually play in person, you know, when that's an option. But uh, since the, there's so many people abroad, we just kept playing online. And that was something I really enjoyed. And I consider them my friends just as much as I would anyone else. That's awesome. So that didn't really slow down for you during the pandemic then? I, I think there, I think it kind of canceled out. I think it slowed down a little bit because there was, you know, people were, you know, a little bit more run down, wanted to take some more time, but also increased like the same amount because people wanted to do stuff. And that was one of the few ways that we could do things together. And, you know, we had all been set up and we're used to playing games online. So we didn't have to change anything. We just kept going and took a little bit more time, added some more breaks in, you know, we're a bit more mindful of if we needed to take a night off and that kind of stuff. Right. Because self-care is definitely something I feel a lot of people learned during the pandemic was an important practice that they might not have realized before. (laughs) Yep. I dialed that up a little bit more than I usually do. That's good though. That means you're taking care of yourself. That's, I mean, that's all anyone can ask of anyone, right? <laughs> that's should be a primary concern for everybody. So you said that with you never leaving Saskatoon and never living anywhere else, but feeling like there's a reasonable queer community there, maybe not as much as you would like. Has it been mostly positive for you then living in Saskatoon and specifically within the gaming world? Like, have you run into mm-hmm. any sort of negative stuff or uh, hateful comments or anything like that with your stream? So within Saskatoon, I, I would say it's mostly comfortable. I've had a few awkward times where I've been on like a date with a guy and someone said something. And I was like, mm, okay. I don't like you. (laughs) So that wasn't the greatest. There's also, I like this sort of like niche tabletop space, especially like the indie space Mm -hmm. has um, 
it, it's very young and it's also there there's lots of queer people which is great but there's also this feeling that i've experienced um, I recently went through like a bit of a social media cleanse and to, you know, self-care. Right. Right. And well, one of the things that I felt was that I was trying to participate in a way that kind of felt like I was not doing what I really wanted to do at times. A bit like more was performative kind of, then? Yeah. Yeah. A bit more performative, a bit more like, you know, you got to do things a certain tabletopy way, you know, <laughs> put on a certain face, do the tropes, that kind of stuff. And not all of those were things that I enjoyed. But then also, I, I think there was a little bit of with this youngness, I've, I've seen like, I've had some bad experiences where because, you know, everything's so young and you the one community that I was a part of, um, where I did like the pride collection, it eventually dissolved through a bunch of like drama and stuff, which oh, is dear. like, <laughs> yeah, and it was messy. It wasn't great. So there's experiences like that where it wasn't good, but it, 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 the, the takeaway I had was, well, I'll, I'll wipe away the parts that I didn't like, keep the parts that I did like. And, you know, the parts that I did like were, you know, people that I play games with now and keep up with. And yeah, so that's sort of like a, a bit of what my experience was like there. I feel like that's an important part of any queer person's experience just in life in general is you have to do those regular sort of cullings of people who are toxic to be around. And I mean, not that's yeah. not, not even exclusive to the queer community, but I feel yes. like we have to work that much harder because we're up against things like homophobia and transphobia and all of yeah. the phobias. <laughs> Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. That's a good reminder, though, to like surround yourself with the people that aren't going to bring you down. Yeah. And it, it was interesting because like for those communities, uh, I, I've seen a lot of times where it's, you know, set up and people are trying to accomplish some goals that are often to do with like viewership and stuff, which is it's. The, I think the for me, my experience with tabletop stuff is viewership is not something that's going to take off. Like the the market isn't quite big enough. There's the the big ones like Critical Role who they've created their own market and that yeah. kind of stuff. But like for the niche ones, like it doesn't get the same engagement, which is totally fine. But when these communities are created and like the people that are leading them are trying to work towards that. It, it creates like situations that can be really rocky. Like I ran into stuff where, you know, part of the, we, we can get into it as much as you want, but like, yeah, yeah. No, I'm curious the, now. Love the drama. <laughs> part of the drama had to do with like actual fraud. Like someone was taking what? things from you. Yeah. And not giving them the commissions that they had paid for. And like, yeah. And I, I think a lot of people were, you know, doing their best air quotes mm -hmm. um but eh, like they wanted to be this artist and put out commissions and do all that kind of stuff and it just ended up bad and then you know it came up and it blew up and a bunch of people disagreed and at the end of it they're like well we're just gonna pack up and close the discord and y'all can go and do your own things because so people still didn't end up getting their money back then it just sort of dissolved I don't really know about like the individual ones. Um, I think some people tried to go and get their money back from like the artist. There's also like merch things and that kind of stuff. Ah. But I don't know. It, it was kind of messy. There were someone who I didn't have any like 
financial stuff going on with them, but Lucky. I played <laughs> games with them. So right. I was like, well, I'm not comfortable playing with this person anymore because they committed fraud against my friends. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fair reason to cut ties. <laughs> yeah. And I think it, I think the environment there can sometimes lead towards that. Cause like, there's not it, people have different expectations about what they want and it's so young. And so like everyone's so inexperienced and not sure how to do things that the odds of doing something wrong is pretty, pretty high, even if you're (laughs) well-meaning. Yeah. I find that's true of a lot of um, sort of creative ventures that are the the do-it-yourself types. Like I find a lot of that in drag as well, which I do. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of disagreement about what drag is and should be. And Mm -hmm. there are people who will gatekeep and people who will actively fight against gatekeeping. So they often Mm -hmm. butt heads. And then you get the people on the sidelines, just like eating their popcorn and watching it happen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel that's sadly going to be a natural part of any creative pursuit because yeah, everybody's different. And if there's no one actually moderating how things Mm -hmm. should be, then yeah, it's going to get chaotic. (laughs) Yeah. I think part of it as well, if I was thinking about like root causes, so Dungeons and Dragons is the big one, it's the popular one. Mm -hmm. And it, it, I would say it goes so far as to hold a monopoly over the space. I think that's fair. Yeah. And the company that runs it is owned by Hasbro. So like there's corporate influence. Uh, So you can imagine how that plays into it. And I don't think they want to let go of their monopoly anytime soon. No, because it's working for them. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's like capitalism 101. Like don't give up your monopoly. Yeah, exactly. And I've heard, you know, especially with all these like young and new people that have been coming into the space. I've, I've heard handfuls that, you know, they'll go work with Wizards of the Coast. And from what I can tell, there's like this sort of split culture of like new up and coming people that are like, yeah, let's make changes. Let's, you know, push forward. Let's, uh, you know, break down barriers, build bridges and that kind of stuff. And then there's this other half of like this old guard that are sort of resistance to put it nicely. And <laughs> But since they've been there longer, they have seniority, so they get to make the decisions and a little bit of gossip for what I've heard. The people with the new ideas have to be really organized if they want to break down some of those barriers. That's something I've encountered in a lot of spaces. (laughs) Yeah. The hoops that they have to go through are insane. Yeah. Meanwhile, the old guard has to do very little to uphold the stuff that they have always done. Yeah, exactly. Definitely a power imbalance there. Yeah. So I guess you've already talked about how you got into designing games, but can you talk a little bit more about, for you specifically, why queer representation is important in games? Yeah. For me, I feel like a lot of the stories that I want to tell and participate in are queer stories. And I know that I have a lot of friends that do that. Like a lot of my gaming groups are all queer groups or like largely queer groups. And I feel like if, like, if I didn't have bits and pieces, like when I came into it, there was bits and pieces of queer representation, like on Critical Role, there are cast members that identify as, you know, um, different parts under the queer umbrella. And I, I don't know if I would have got into it myself if that wasn't there. So that is something that matters to me. And I want to be able to give that representation, if I can, to anyone else who is 
looking into the space and curious about it because I, I think Dungeons and Dragons, like they've got a little bit here and there that, you know, a queer person could come in and they're able to see what's going on. But there's also a lot of people that are upset by that stuff. And I think the more we can add in, the more we can normalize it, the yeah. more it will be normalized and that I think will reduce the amount of bad experiences that people could potentially run into. So that matters for me because I that's how I got into it. I probably wouldn't have if I didn't see some queer representation. And within the indie space, I think the indie space is more queer than like the monopolized right. space. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, checks out. That makes sense what we've seen in other places. Very true. So I want to be someone who can have that healthy representation within the indie space as well. Because even if like one person is like, oh, cool, I'm glad to see that you're doing this and it's awesome that you're doing that. And now I'm in it because of you. That would, you know, that's it. That's great. That would be fantastic. That's wicked. So have you taken any other designers kind of under your wing yet? Or have you not branched out that much? Not in a formal sense. No, definitely not. But I, I've definitely chatted with friends and helped them out when they were trying to do anything around games and stuff. Because there's also this sort of like gray area where once you're playing a game it's really easy to say and become a designer like i think as soon as you play a game you can pretty much consider yourself a designer because you're making decisions as you play the game about what's going to happen like you might make a little rule tweak here and there and like that's that counts that's designing games so there's that and for me i have those kinds of conversations with uh, lots of people where you know they'll be teaching me stuff about things that they've done and i'll get to share things about what i've done so for for me it's just kind of part of the dialogue to share and be mentors to each other i guess that's an interesting perspective because it makes it sound that much more accessible. You know, if someone who has designed games and has had such a loyal Twitch following can say something mm. like, yeah, everyone's a designer. If you can play a game, you can design one. So oh, yeah. yeah, I think there needs to probably be more of that, more, more acceptance of new ideas and people, it sounds like. Oh yeah. You don't have to publish. You don't have to, you don't have to have anything written down to be a designer. You can, as soon as, you know, you're playing games, you're making those decisions, it's your, your designer. So that's my awesome. thoughts on that. Can you maybe give an example of one of the games that you've designed and uh, the work that went into it? Yeah. Um, the one that I've been working on the most recently is the one that's kind of in my mind, but I've been working for like a year and a half on and off oh, on a wow. game called, yeah, I, you know, you put it a little bit on the weekend, maybe next month, do something. Um, it's called Forge Ties. And this is a game where it's probably like my most ambitious one. And for, for me, what I try and do when I think of games. And I, I got this from uh, a game designer who I really look up to. Her name is Strix. Um, if anyone wants to find out more about her. She says that when you want to make a game, you should think about the experience that you want to be evoked. Like, you know, everyone's familiar. Well, I don't want to say everyone, but if people are familiar <laughs> with Dungeons and Dragons, they might be familiar with, you know, it's fantasy. It's more mythical. You know. yeah. yeah, exactly. But there's lots of other types of experiences that you can come up with. You can have thriller games that are like very tense and very grounded in, you know, tropes that you might see in like, you know, thriller movies, or you might want to do something that's more um, slice of life, like uh, television drama. Or I, I find that if you read a piece of media, 
or watch a piece of media or consume some kind of piece of media and you're like, oh, that that was an experience I liked, you can think of that as a good starting spot to then like build up your game. So back to Forge Ties, I want to make a game that was based off of the way the characters were building ties with each other. So that's the Forge namesake. Ties. Gotcha. Okay. Um <laughs> And I wanted to really evoke an experience of like, well, you're trying to build and go through these relationships that you have with the other people in the game and with the world that it is. And that's sort of a little bit what I aim for with that. I really like what you said about um, taking an experience and applying it to a game, because it sounds like the possibilities would be endless with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's um, interesting to see how much really is out there. Like I've got one game called Starcrossed which is, if people aren't familiar with the indie space yet, it's kind of uh, a bit of a different style. So it's a two-player game of forbidden romance. So it's like a romance rom-com theme game. Um, And you play with a Jenga tower rather than dice. Oh, Yeah, so the tower represents the relationship. And as you do stuff in the game, you pull from the tower. And then when the tower falls over, that represents the conclusion. And then depending on how much you did with the tower, that'll tell you how the relationship ends, whether it fizzles out or whether, you know, it's true love or whatever, whatever it is. That sounds stressful. (laughs) I don't know if I'd like that one. Yeah. (laughs) I'd be concerned about knocking over the tower the whole time and I wouldn't be focused. (laughs) Yeah. And that's kind of part of the way that I really like Starcrossed is it intentionally wants you to focus on the tower so you feel like the kind of butterflies that are akin to like a romance. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Clever. So I think it works nicely together. And there's lots of other, you know, things that are like that where it's like, this is very different. There maybe isn't even dice involved. And, you know, it's all about an experience and making that story feel a bit more present. Wow. So it sounds like these games can really tickle your brain. Yeah. I I think there's quite a bit going on out there and I've been enjoying diving into these different ones and especially the ones that are things I haven't experienced yet or new to me. I can understand why people would maybe choose a niche though, because it sounds like such an expansive world that you could get into. Like there are literally no boundaries. So to not overwhelm yourself, you almost have to choose a niche. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I I think it goes back to the phrase like, do what you know. So a lot of people will take their experiences that they have and they'll build it into, you know, what they want to make. And that's always, I I think that's a really good way to do it. Is that what you mostly do? Do you take your own experiences and inject them into your games? Kind of. I find that I... I take my experiences that I have through media and I'll put them into my games. Like um, I really enjoyed watching the new She-Ra on Netflix recently. And so in my game Forge Ties, I came up with this narrative that's basically the enemies to lovers kind of trope. And okay. I think it evokes She-Ra a little bit if uh, anyone's had a chance to see that. She-Ra-esque? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So, That's usually what I like to do. So do you ever explore sort of hypothetical things you would like to happen in your life that maybe haven't happened or does that enter into it for you at all? Mm, I would say kind. Yeah. 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 I would say, yeah. Just because like, you know, each game you play is, you know, 
no matter how different the narrative that you're coming up with is from mm-hmm. who you are, what you're putting in is still a part of you. And it's still like, you know, a lot of times it can be these different situations that aren't possible in the real world, you know, very like fantasy and that kind of stuff. So it, it's always fun to dive in and see what that might be like, whether it's something that you've actually experienced or not. So I would say, yeah, like jumping into those hypotheticals for sure. I know that one thing, the topic that sometimes comes up is, you know, you still want to be mindful and safe the way you play games. Like some of those games that are more serious or deal with more serious topics, you want to make sure that you're using safety tools. Like everyone is agreeing to what's happening. Mm -hmm. Everyone is actively participating in a way that they want, Um, checking in with people and making sure that, you know, if anything needs to be changed, everyone's like, cool, we'll change it to make sure everyone's comfortable and happy and safe. Oh, I'm glad to hear that those uh, those rules are in place because there are many places on the internet that are not safe, (laughs) especially for members of the queer community. So do you actually play tabletop games on your Twitch stream or is it mostly reserved for your online gaming? Yeah. Um, so I have in the past, my original like jump into doing a lot of the online tabletop streaming with, you know, my friends and doing like a, a group stream and sharing our story, mm-hmm. um, was cause I wanted to just like learn new skills, try it out since then. Like I haven't had as much energy for that. So it hasn't been as much that I've been doing it. I've been preferring private games lately. Okay. Um, I, I find that there's um, some technical hurdles that I would like to overcome for if I want to go back and do another actual play that I would share with uh, the online community. So I have a lot in the past. I'm I'm probably going to take a little bit of time before I jump into that, just because I feel like private games have been a bit more my preference. So what does a private game entail then? Is it just you and one other person or how does that work? Uh, I mean, private as in like not streamed online. Oh, and, uh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So like just me and my friends getting together over like on a Zoom call or like in our dining room or whatever. Okay. So only the people playing are privy to it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And since this whole episode is about queer gaming as a whole, we don't solely have to focus on the tabletop portion because you do play yeah. uh, video games as well. That I actually tuned into a stream of yours, I think it was a week or two ago. I can't remember. And I'm going to butcher the name, but I know Dead was in there. <laughs> I'm pretty um, sure. De- it was uh, Dead by Daylight. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched yeah. a little bit of that and that looked really interesting. Um, so do you change up the games you play or do you always stick to the same ones or how do you sort of decide that? Yeah, for me, I, so what I want to do is I just want to pick what I'm interested in. So for me, I was interested in trying out Dead by Daylight a little bit more, which is, uh, that game is very good for queer representation. They, oh. there's a lot of, um, I think there's the, there's a lot there that the developers do. It's also based out of Montreal, if I remember correctly, so it's Canadian. So that's kind of cool. Even better. Yeah. But I just want to do what I want. I don't want to do what I think people will want, because if I do that, I don't think I'm going to create something that other people will like. So if I'm doing something that I want to do, well, at least I like it. So there's <laughs> that's one been my approach to this podcast. So I understand that. <laughs> yeah. There's no yeah. sense talking about something I have zero interest in. Yeah. Definitely. So I sort of pick what I want. And then I would like to get to a point where um, I'm just sort of getting onto the tail end of a wrist injury. And once 
that's healed up, I'd like to, you know, be able to do something maybe weekly where I could pick a game that I want to do. And I've got like a, a backlog of ones that have been suggested to me. So I might hop into those. So for those who haven't seen a Twitch stream of yours, can you sort of walk us through what a typical one would look like and how long yeah. that you stick to it? <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So um, kind of keeping in line with what I do, I just sort of, I want to have a space where I can go. And if anyone's interested to like hang out or chat, they're welcome to, I don't have a focus on viewership. I have very complex feelings about the way Twitch <laughs> does subscribers and the way it monetizes. So I don't do any of that stuff. Um, but for me, I'll usually just like go live, pretty casual. I'll play the game. I'm always happy to chat with people and have conversations. It's a little bit tricky because, you know, one person's audio and visual and the other people are text so you kind of have to work with that barrier um i'll play the game a lot of other streams will have like ways that you can interact i don't do a whole lot of that i like to interact through like conversation and that kind of stuff yeah i noticed it was a very chill vibe on i yeah. think i tuned in from like maybe half an hour or so and mm -hmm. it literally just felt like i was hanging out with you <laughs> yeah that's what i like I'm, i just want like nice hangout don't have any goals just that's that's, that's what I want. And I mentioned this to you when we were chatting on Twitter as well, that you, you have a very soothing voice. Like I felt very <laughs> relaxed while I was watching your stream. Yeah. It was good. I feel like yeah. it'd be a good before bed practice for a lot of people. <laughs> mm, yeah. The, the ones who like really, you know, want to take off and all that kind of stuff. I find that they've got very like powerful, energetic voices. So mm, I'm very like, high energy personalities in general. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I, that's great that they have that, but I'm going to stick to what I know. I have to imagine it's exhausting maintaining that, especially if you're streaming like most days of the week, I would just be tired. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I know this one streamer, um, her name is granny. She, she has base. It's like Mrs. Doubtfire drag essentially. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. But she also does the voice for it for like four or five days out of the week. And I'm like, how how do you maintain that? That is like that is a, a feat in itself to do that voice for so long. Yeah. I mean, that's performance though. A lot of people who aren't performers don't understand just how much energy it takes. Like, yeah. yeah. Even just putting the makeup and the wig on, I imagine, takes some time and effort. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let alone the voice. And for me, I'm like those people. Y'all have got it figured out. For me, I don't quite have that energy, so I'll stick to what I can do. And well, that's, yeah, that's I'm, I'm sure people could tell if you were faking it. So it's it's best if you be as yeah. genuine as you can. Yeah. That's something I do with this podcast, actually, is I, I feel like it's very much what you I guess what you hear is what you get. <laughs> it's not far removed from my personality at all. This is just what I'm like all the time. Nice. Yeah. So I, I didn't feel that way in radio, though. I did feel like I kind of had to put it on. And it's something they actually tell you in radio school. Well, depending how old your instructor is, I guess. We had a bit mm -hmm. of an old school one. But um, especially for the women, he always put emphasis on sounding up. Mm. And I'm just like, that's not real, though. Not everyone is like that 24-7. And honestly, when I've listened to stations where they have that like ridiculously upbeat, like I just snorted cocaine and then ate some cotton candy kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah, It's exhausting to listen to, let alone maintain. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine it. But yeah, I feel like this is a more subdued version of what my radio personality was. But I, I didn't differ as much as I could have because I felt like I needed to rebel against that standard a little bit. <laughs> 
because yeah. I didn't want to sound like all the other female announcers because I'm not, I'm not them. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I definitely have had some experiences where I've been like, I'm trying to put on a face. Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. I need to reevaluate and either be more comfortable with who I am when I live stream or figure something out. In my experience, people respond better to genuine anyway. So even if you have to be real and be like, I'm having kind of an off day today. Sorry, guys. Like they'll be, mm-hmm. people will be encouraging about that. They'll be like, yeah, that's something I experienced too. And you might even end up bonding over it for all you know. Yeah, definitely. Totally agree. How often do you stream now? Um, it depends on, uh, I would like to stream weekly, but I feel like it's really hit and miss now. My goal is to have a weekly schedule. I'd say I'm maybe like every other week. I'm getting more energy for it. So I'd say like every other week right now, but I'd like to get back to weekly and uh, do that. It really depends on when um, when my injury sort of resolves. Yeah, that's definitely important. You don't want to push it. Yeah. Um, do you have a sort of devoted base of people that watch you every time? And are they expecting more from you or are they pretty chill about mm. it? I don't think so. I, I I don't feel that way, at least. I feel like the people that usually tune in are people that I've interacted with, like, directly or I'm friends with or, you know, are close with. Like, if I could categorize the people that I think show up, I would say it's probably just people that are either in my friend group or extended friend group. So it's basically that. Yeah. Is is your stream something you talk about like in your daily life? Like, do you mention it to people you work with or people you go on dates with? Or is it just <clears> sort of, it's your little thing and you keep it close to your chest? Um, I mention it. Like people at work know that I do. Like when uh, I was doing one of my tabletop streams, it was one that we were starting and my group of friends and I were really excited about the story that we were building up. So I shared that in like our work gaming channels. Like, hey, if anyone's interested, you could come check this out if you want. I don't expect you to, but you know, <laughs> it might be an interest to you. So yeah, I'm, I'm not really shy about it. I usually when I I've mentioned it to like my dad before and he thinks streaming is like Netflix, which it, you know, <laughs> that's for sure it is. Or assumption. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't quite figured out how to explain it fully to him. What, <laughs> what I'm doing. It's watching me play games in real time, dad. And he'd be like, what's real yeah, time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is real yeah. time some new app? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. Right. So um, I guess finally, I would like to ask you about anything special that you're working on or uh, anything previously that you've done that you'd like to plug that's important to you. Yeah. Um, I mentioned Forge Ties. That's probably the thing that I'm putting my heart and soul into right now. And that's um, ongoing, right? Like it's not finished yet? Right. It is available. Like right now, someone could go and they could buy it and play it. Um, But within the near future, probably by September, I'm going to release another version of it, version two, which I think is really going to like sing and really, you know, hit all the the beats that I want it to for the story and that kind of stuff. So that's what I've been working on lately. And if someone wanted to check out that game, how would they do so? Um, if you go to coreyhickson.itch.io, uh, that is the best place to check that out. And then the system, the Forge Ties is the system, and then the 
sort of setting that goes with it is Forged on the High Seas, which is sort of like a seafaring adventure. So if you want to go be a bunch of pirates on a ship. Or for the Maritimers out there listening. (laughs) Exactly. And that's dot itch, not twitch, right? (laughs) Yeah, itch. Itch is like this indie game distribution platform. Cool. Yeah, I hadn't actually heard of it until I was researching your stuff and I found it. I was like, oh, okay. Because yeah, you have a whole little kind of store there of the games that you've made. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And I assume for payment, it's something like PayPal or... Yeah, um, they're like pretty well established. So I think they take everything from like credit card to PayPal to oh, okay. whatever, about whatever else is available to online purchases. So if you've got credit, Corey will take it. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> I will. If anyone... I also have... um. I just mentioned there's community copies. So if like financially you're you're not in a spot to contribute, you can go get free copies and you're more than welcome to. And if they're out, just message me. I'll I'll send you one. Oh, I love that. I like how inclusive you are and you're you're very thoughtful about the potential um whatchamacallit? Uh oh, what am I trying to say? The consumers of your product. (laughs) Yeah. But I didn't want to say it that (laughs) businessy. I'll, a, a word will come to me after we've stopped recording and I'll be like, ah, and have to edit it back in. But <laughs> you get what I'm trying to say. It's nice that you're thoughtful about the people who are receiving your content. And yeah. I feel like that, at least from my experience, my limited experience with having watched a stream of yours, that's mm-hmm. something very attractive about your stream is you were just so very chill and you aren't trying to be anything that you're not. And I feel the world needs more of that. Oh, I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> and Listeners, you didn't see Corey just now, but he made a very cute face. <laughs> so if own. nothing else, that that should draw you in. He's got a cute face. We'll keep it totally superficial. <laughs> so uh, your website, you have that as well. And that's kind of, from what I understand, a blog detailing the stuff that you're working on mostly. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at it recently and I felt bad because I haven't posted yet this year. And I was like, oh my gosh, I thought I posted. I was like, oh no. It's but, COVID times. People will understand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's where I like to put a lot of my game design thoughts. Um, if there's anything on there that you're like, oh, I'm interested in learning more about this, feel free to like chat with me too. I So the best way that I like to interact with people is directly. So awesome. I'm always open to conversations about that. And hopefully I'll um, post some more thoughts on there. The toughest part is getting it from brain to screen. So I hear that. That's the toughest part of any content creation in my experience is like, I have this idea, but now I actually mm-hmm. have to do something with it. And that's the hard part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The idea is the easy part. Yeah. So it's- <laughs> Ideas are cheap. <laughs> True. <laughs> so it's CoreyHickson.com, right? Yep, CoreyHickson.com. That's it. And you can navigate to your other um, various social medias from there, I believe. I was checking it out yesterday. Yeah. And I think that's it. actually how I found your store because I tried Googling it and, or mm. I can't remember now, but yeah, you're pretty easy to find on Google. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> that search engine optimization. Indeed. So Corey, I think that will bring us to a close for today, but I wanted to thank you for being not only a wonderful guest, but my first guest that I didn't know previously. This was a a first time for me thing, and I wasn't sure how it was going to (laughs) go, but um, I'm at least glad that it's someone who's accustomed to being in front of a camera and on a mic. So there wasn't that much nervousness for that part of things. So I'm grateful for that. And Mm. yeah, thank you for being a lovely guest, lovely guest. (laughs) And if you've got anything new you're working on in the future and you'd like to come back, uh, 
the invite is there. I will keep that in mind. Thank you. All right. I've been chatting with Corey Hickson. And again, his website is CoreyHickson.com. You can also find him on Twitch and uh, find his games on his website as well. So thanks for being here, Corey. Thanks for having me. Out of Context with Caitlin Hartland.